it before, but I don't think I ever will again. I don't have to live in the country, I'm just trying to get back home. Got to be a woman, but I just can't seem to quit. Living alone. I haven't had a dream that I could remember for so long. I didn't mean to trade you a picture of me for a song. Had six long months of sunshine, three straight weeks of rain. A telephone line is a sometime thing. Just ain't the same. I got a thousand times of blue And if I lose it all It might just mean I win A chance to start my way back home Or lose it all again Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay. Anybody in this room remember the old Power Records in Nashville, Tennessee, on West End Avenue? I do. Okay. We went there once. We did. Or twice, or three times. I bought this album there probably... You know, in the seventies, uh, it's. I looked it up. It's been closed since two thousand and six. Tower Records has. They were the biggest. The whole. They were in all the major cities, and um, you know, big store, lots of employees, gone, gone. Anyway, um, so th- I bought this album because I like the cover art. What I found out, it was uh, a group called Breakfast Special. They're from Brooklyn. The banjo player is a guy named Tony Trishka. Um, The fiddler is a guy named Kenny Kosek. He also played at one time with Jerry Garcia. And uh, then you had Andy Statman on mandolin. Um one or two other people and it was just a remarkable album we're going to play a couple one other song from that album it's called breakfast special very hard to find now somebody in japan started bootlegging the cds they're about 60 bucks a piece but um it's it's a mixture of bluegrass and jewish these guys were all Jewish from Brooklyn, and it's kind of what's called Yiddish klezmer music. And this Andy Statman guy—that's all he does now—is um, klezmer music. It's it's sort of an old form of music that's pretty much being kept alive in Brooklyn. Came from Eastern Europe. The 
the Jews that came from Eastern Europe spoke this language called Yiddish. It was kind of a mixture of Hebrew and a lot of different things. And they had their own cultures. I'll give you an example. Fiddler on the Roof. That's that's that culture. Uh, so, okay. Um, I'm going to go take a nap. You guys <laughs> no. Now, one of the things we've talked about, and we've got some pretty good stuff, uh, is the national debt. And um, the thing you need to understand at this point is that the national debt is no longer under control. And here's what's happened. Uh, all of these... Um, guarantees that the federal government is now on the hook for are blooming and mushrooming and getting bigger and bigger. And they are not things that can easily be controlled. The, the things that people fight about the $60 billion to Ukraine or something, it's window dressing. The big money is going out the door on Social Security, Medicare, and lots of other things that the government is really on the hook for. They dwarf whether we give money to Ukraine or not. So the big thing you need to understand, and this is where it's just so unfair to young people right now, and uh, there's going to have to be a massive right down somewhere a haircut it's unavoidable no politician wants to talk about it social security is going to have to be cut back uh medicare medicaid cut back we were on the way to doing it work fair they were changing all that the liberals got back into office oh no no we can't do that because that shrinks the welfare state and we cannot have the welfare state get shrunk. So we ain't doing no work for welfare. Anything to get the, the it's it's a it's a desire to basically lock us all down under and, and unless conservatives and Republicans grow a massively uh, steel pair of testicles, it's never ever gonna change. Not ever gonna change. We go from public debt outstanding uh, January 3rd of the year 2000 to 5.75 trillion today, as we speak, uh, or this is as of 228, um, 24, we're at 34 trillion in debt. And at this point, it's now growing a trillion dollars every hundred days. Now, why is this? Well, because it's, it's the law of compounding. You know, one of the things that we've talked about in here is if if you start putting money into uh, an IRA, uh, at first it's just like incremental additions, and then you know over time you just go forever, forever and ever, and then then it begins to compound on itself. You get interest on interest, dividends on dividends. That's why Warren Buffett is now making more money from his original investment in Coca-Cola, which was substantial back in 1992. It was like $200 million. It was a lot of money back then for Berkshire or anybody. 
He's getting way more in dividends on that original purchase of which he's never sold a share than he, than he is, uh, than on the original amount he put in it. Mm-hmm. It's compounding. Well, let me tell you something. It can do that with debt too. And now you're paying interest on the debt and the interest and you've issued more and more. So you're borrowing money just to pay the interest. That's all you're doing, you know, and, and Unless, and I'm going to say, unless by this next election, that's in nine months, people don't get their you-know-what together on this, eight months, and elect hard-ass conservatives that are going to say, hey, you know what, I don't care about my political career. I'm in here to make some Freaking change. Uh, and, 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 and I see the cracks in the whole facade of all this crap going on. Oh, you know, we're, we're this welfare society. I see it cracking. Sometimes these things can dissipate very, very quickly. It's just like when the, the wall fell in, uh, communist, uh, you know, Russia and, 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 and East Germany and that whole thing. And it all came down real quick. It's like, it's got to crumble and we got to get our act together. And, you know, Mike Johnson, well, what are you doing here? You're supposed yeah. to be at, at uh, um, in Congress. I'm, I'm supposed to be working and yeah, yeah. now and yeah, I'm here. You're sitting here on a radio <laughs> show. The Mike Johnson in Congress. That guy needs a lot more people to go. Somebody's got to do it. I would vote for a Democrat if they'd step up and do it. They're all in lockstep. You know, I don't know. I didn't even mean to get off on this, but, you know, it's Chad's fault because yes, he puts is. all this stuff in front of me and he's pissing me off. Shock value here. Uh, <laughs> this is something that really stood out to me, though, because the deficit, as you said, I mean, just – in. The U.S. government uh, runs a website, the Treasury, I guess, runs a website. They call it Debt to the Penny, and that's where these numbers come from. And as of uh, the most recent number, which was on, uh, I guess, Wednesday, $34.382 trillion. Huge number, but then uh, look at the original projections back in January of 2020, the Congressional Budget Office, who kind of is the watchdog for Congress here to, to estimate how much these programs they're proposing are going to cost. They anticipated our tra- our deficit would hit $34 trillion in 2029. And we've hit that number. We actually hit it at the end of uh, calendar year of 2023. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, six years ahead of schedule. I mean, that shows you how much spending took place in, uh, in the pandemic, because I mean, it just, they were, they just opened up the floodgates. I mean, that's when the IRA was initiated, the infrastructure projects, you know, clean energy, all of that, this money. I mean, and that was down. I mean, I think originally it was going to be $2 trillion and they managed to shave a trillion dollars off of it. But between that spending and the other spending they did, you know, the, the money that was passed out to the, well, another citizens, thing that's I mean, affected really is the increase in interest rates because of them. So now, as they roll over these uh, treasury bonds that were, you know, yielding less than 1%, and now you're paying 4 to 5, even on the short stuff, 
on the tra- on the ten year, if they do new ten years, you're at a four thirty. You know, you're four four between four and five. Let's say between four and four and a half percent on a lot of this debt. Now you've quadrupled, maybe quintupled what you're having to pay on short term stuff, and they could have gone out and taken the whole federal deficit and issued thirty year bonds at like two percent. They had a chance, and they didn't do it. And, you know, now look what's happening. I mean, I'm, you know, anyway. And they would have had buyers at that point. At that, of course uh, they would have. Point because, I mean, people were just scrambling for any yield. Any, I mean, it wasn't about keeping up with inflation. Their inflation was low. They were just trying to get more than 1% or 2% on their money. So what has to happen, as in anything when the debt is out of control, now – Powell, oh, bless Powell's heart. He sat there and helped with this. And now he's saying we got a problem. What a guy. What a guy. And he would not even admit that that what they did contributed to inflation. About a year ago, I heard him. So somebody's got to dig in here. Now, if 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 there was a change and and in in November and we had a change and Mike Johnson and the, the the congressional people who actually are the ones that approve the budget the senate just all they do is sign off on it comes from the house if they could say we are going to move towards fiscal discipline i think you'd see a 150 basis point rally in the treasury bond market that I think we'd be between two and three percent. Boom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think. Well, let's just say three percentish on the ten year from a one from a four thirty kind of thing. Uh, I just, you know, this thing's got to get turned around some way somehow. You look. You compare what actions have taken have been taken and what are happening now like where they've been issuing more short-term bonds um, and we're seeing and we're that's see- driving your rates up like nuts you got you're gonna have to roll them but you compare that line of thinking with companies what they've done right I mean, you had absolutely you had companies issuing go out long 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 I, I mean i think disney and coke even have i forget when they were issued but they had a uh, hundred year century bonds and yeah. you, you had some companies go ultra long and it's like people doing a refile on their mortgage I'm glad we don't have any of those in our portfolio yeah yeah right now anyway we thought sure. you you acted like you wanted to buy some for our you know you i want 100 year yeah, bonds you, a, you, you were talking at two percent oh, i think i remember me. you I was, was going to short them yeah, no no yeah. i don't think so <laughs> no i'm kidding he didn't uh, he didn't say that but you you look at the line because there's accountability with companies and there hasn't been <laughs> with government um nope, and right. and you, you you look at the debt and what that represents. So it's, it's a liability. The liability are these entitlement programs and the liabilities. People are living longer. You've got the medical expenses continuing to go up. So it's right. it's it's the compounding you were talking about, but it's compounding of liabilities. In the government's that, case, yeah. it's compounding of debt, literal debt. And liability. And liability. Um, but I mean, it's, it's the flip side of insurance companies. That's right. It's, and you know, it's just, 
it's but the insurance companies aren't taking the money and going out and funding insane projects with their float. I mean, yeah, exactly. So it's not even near that bad. I mean, exactly. Their thing isn't that bad, right? But no, insurance companies have begun to get out of writing uh, pensions because people living longer. Uh, they didn't want to take the risk. We had a client that we did an annuity for, and they thought she'd live to be about 85, 86. She lived to be 99. So yeah. she got about an extra 14 years. She won. Of a, she yeah. did. Big time. And, and the, But anyway, yeah. what you're saying is correct. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Well, just also not to be lost on this, the projections, and this, again, is coming from the Congressional Budget Office. These are numbers that are by the I – mean, not not a watchdog of Congress, but who Congress relies on to come up with accurate projections. Right. And in the average from 1974 to 2023, uh, the 50-year average of uh, how much we spent of GDP on Social Security was 4.4%. It's going up to 6% by 2034. That's not terrible. Major health care programs are going to double, though, in that in just that uh, period. You know, and from the levels where we were in uh last fiscal year i mean they've gone up they're, they're not going to double but they're going to go up uh, quite a bit but i mean it's just not sustainable i mean the the total deficit is going to be 6.1 percent that's basically we're spending 6.1 more percent of the of the uh, gross domestic products or i'm getting too too nerdy here but uh we're spending more money than we're taking in and the only way to stop that is by either raising taxes or cutting spending raise and, taxes and you're just gonna crimp production and that's where that's where they cutting spending part well the the democrats want to raise taxes of course they do and the republicans and they do not want to cut spending that's right okay now how does this affect your investments because you need to hear this as, as because of what's going on with this stuff we choose to invest in things that we believe are going to hold their value despite what the currency does I started out in this business. The dollar was pretty sound. It's been a long time ago. I've seen a lot of the things that were done over the years dismantled right in front of my eyes. I could be very discouraged about that kind of thing. But the fact is, what I've learned about is that currency is, in my day and age, it's a fiat thing. It's it, People come up with currency out of thin air. The real currency in in our world is... Uh, things that you can invest in that hold their value over time. Um, companies that know how to make an arbitrage profit in the financial world. Companies that are involved in industry. Companies that are involved in manufacturing, real estate. Things that are real world, um, real world endeavors that are going to hold their value. No matter what the currency does, whether it inflates, whether it deflates, whether it stays the same. If you just leave your money in money, it will become less money. <laughs> it's going to. Unless, of course, you can earn a yield that's over and above inflation and taxes. If, if And the best way that we think there is to do that is to invest in enterprises, things that make things and do stuff and employ people and are productive enterprises, they're going to hold their value 
and even increase value over and above what happens to the currency. Here's a big difference between what you're saying and a, a question that we get a lot is, well, should I buy gold because of what's going on? You know, what's going to happen with the dollar? Is the dollar going to lose reserve currency status? Here's the difference. What you're talking about is a company that is making something that's produced and it's not a if this happens, this will the B will happen. When you're buying gold or speculating on a currency, it's that this event has to happen or you're wrong. The dollar has to go down in value or you're wrong. With a company, they're navigating the different currency markets. They're doing some have been doing it for decades, these global companies. And that's what they do. They they navigate different currencies. They're producing something. That's the difference between investing and speculating on an event happening, saying, I'm going to buy gold or I'm going to buy Bitcoin or this or that, because that's either A happens or it doesn't. They're creating right. value. Yeah. It's, Companies. It's, yep. you're, you're, you're doing something that's a win-win. That's why if you invest wisely – People think, oh, you know, you're just trying to get lucky or you're taking money out of somebody else's pocket. No, proper investing is a win-win for everybody. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to learn how we can make your money work for you, call us, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website and schedule an appointment on our homepage. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Stay tuned. This is Tom Dupree. Retirement can be tricky. In order to produce the right amount of income from a retirement account without depleting the principal, you need to develop a mixture of growth and income. At Dupree Financial Group, we specialize in designing investment portfolios for retired and soon-to-be-retired individuals by making investments in companies that produce both income and growth. Our process is simple to understand, but you need to make an appointment with us so we can explain it to you. Give us a call today at 859-233-0400 to set a time with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show at News Radio 630 WLAP on Saturday mornings. And listen to us on your favorite podcast platform.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. All right, that's another song by uh, from that album uh, called uh, Breakfast Special. Breakfast Special. All right, there's just one, I just sent you another one. They did a cover of a song that Canned Heat did. And I just sent it to her. I wanted to just play about a minute of it because their cover of it was really good. And, you know, Canned Heat was a West Coast sort of blues band. They played at Woodstock, and they were very popular late 60s, early 70s. All right, here you go. This was this was a song by Candy. And I think it was done by like Bill Br- Brunzi or somebody before canned heat did it i I say see that shows my age is that i say it was a song by canned heat no it probably wasn't it was it was probably done by you know some obscure blues guy from the 40s or something and then canned heat did it again in the 70s sounds like a a faster version of boom boom by john lee hooker but different they changed the lyrics a little bit yeah (laughs) i don't think john lee hooker ever did that particular song he could have right but it just just sounded like derivation isn't that in uh the blues brothers i can't Mm. remember i don't don't remember i know john brothers no john lee hooker performs in the movie, the Blues Brothers. Well, it Does probably it? was yes. that song then. Yes, yeah. he he's out in front of that record store. Yeah. You're right. Or, yeah, or in a record yeah. store. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, is it? I think that. I think it was that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got one called Back Rent Boogie. He said, "I slip out the back though." Anyway. All right, you guys have some more you want to cover here. Let's get to it. In the same vein, oh, how we were in in that last piece, um, talking about you know companies producing things, you know companies that evolve, uh, make good services. This was a, an article by Jason Zweig, and he's he's talking specifically about Bitcoin in this, but the the concept applies to uh, another area that's a hot area right now. Uh, but I'll, I'll use this example. So uh, I'm reading, it says in 1917, Macy plant, the young wife of a rich businessman couldn't stop admiring a magnificent double strand of pearls from Cartier. The Parisian jeweler jeweler was looking for us headquarters in New York. Pierre Cartier offered to swap the necklace priced at $1 million at the time. As a side note, that was, it's worth about 24 million in today's money, just as a side note, but priced at $1 million exchange it for the plants mansion on fifth Avenue and 52nd street in Manhattan. Macy's husband, Morton promptly agreed to the trade. Now what they didn't know, neither party that months earlier, uh, Kokichi, Mikamoto had industrialized a new technology that created cultured pearls. So, what pearls at the time were, you know, in some at some 
instances more valuable than gold or diamonds. And so this strand of pearls was traded for this piece of real estate. The real estate, uh, a similar piece, recently sold for about $525 million. This Cartier necklace, this Cartier uh, necklace sold at auction for 151000 in 1957. So, Hit, now, this is 1957. Like this, this actual necklace right. sold for that, and he sold it to this guy. He traded the property that was. So he he took a huge hit. Took right a huge right. hit. I mean, he gave a, a what ultimately ended up being a 500 million dollar property for something that's gone down in value, or not yeah. gone up much. The point is, that's what you get for listening to your wife. <laughs> that wasn't the point I was going to make, but. The, the point is, is that technology can be disrupted. Any industry can be disrupted. Well, that's just a dumb trade. I mean, that's as <laughs> dumb as can be. It was that's a dumb trade. Stupid. It, looking, it wasn't well, a looking dumb back, trade, and if uh, cultured pearls hadn't come along, it probably would have kept going up in value. <laughs> I don't know about that. But it's it was the idea of scarcity um you know gold the whole the whole premise behind gold is scarcity just buy is the necklace big boy i mean you know and keep your house uh, maybe it was you know not a good time <laughs> for the sense. real estate who, yeah, who no, knows who it's knows it's a good it's a good but illustration it, it, the illustration is that technology can be disrupted and it will be disrupted things there will always be something new coming along to replace you look at you know blackberry uh, from 2009 to 2014, it went from 25 million to 85 million users. Now it's gone. Apple, you know, uh, you, you look at um, Friendster to MySpace to, you know, uh, Met, or, uh, to um, uh, Facebook, Meta now. So technology is always being replaced. And you look at specifically, I'm not talking about Bitcoin, I'm talking something that Everybody, if you have investments, especially in a 401k or 403b that you do have exposure to, is the big mega cap tech stocks right now. And you, you look back, like in the year 2000, with the tech bubble, you look at the largest holdings at the time. Um, largest by market cap. By yeah. market cap. It was more, the, it was more diversified even in the tech bubble than it is today because at the time you had Exxon, Pfizer, Cisco, Citigroup, Walmart, Microsoft, AIG, Merck, Intel. So you had different industries. You had retail, energy, financial services, tech. Now the the top 10 are basically tech and Berkshire. Yeah. Which has Apple, you know, yeah. it's the it's largest holding. Biggest holding. Yeah. But you, you look at the, the P.E. ratios, the, the multiples that they're trading for today, they're comparable. It Depending on how you weight it, maybe more expensive uh, than it was then, but it's, it's comparable. Um, but it's more concentrated in one particular sector. And you look at the top 10 holdings coming out of the tech bubble, and you, the, the leaders don't stay there forever. And so you as an investor, if you own an S&P 500 index fund, by nature, if it's market cap weighted, you are overweight in these areas. And so essentially what that means is 
people that are buying in now, the dollars that they're putting to work, they're getting the fewest earnings per dollar that Ever. they're putting in. Because when they're because, when they're buying that's it, right? Because you're paying up. Now, one way to get around that, something we do. Great idea I had really <laughs> was that we buy the S and P equal weight. I mean, I just woke up one night and I said, "Buy the S and P equal weight." You're not laughing. He's offended. I'm just glad we own <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> that that was that came from Mike. It was his idea, and you know he found it. And so what we do for our clients. And it's a great idea, and I did not come up with it. Was is that we buy the S and P five hundred, but it 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 equal weights every stock. Now they've left a lot of money on the table yeah. by not allowing the big ones to run and mm-hmm. become you know twenty three percent of the portfolio, right? But we have exposure to all five hundred stocks. We have had days when the S&P 500 was down and this thing was up. And for retirement clients, we try to give you exposure to equities without overexposing you to the most overpriced areas. That's something you've got to be careful about. And these ETFs and indexes are designed in a certain way that you begin to get overexposure to areas that have run. The other thing that happens is because of the price, the dividend yield on the whole thing goes down because what something throws off is is a multiple of the price at which you're buying it. That's called current yield. So therefore, the as these names get bigger, the dividend yield and payout on the SPY or one of these S&P 500 index funds goes lower. Right. And as an investor, how, how should you invest? You should diversify and you shouldn't, you should try to not overpay for things. You should buy them at reasonable prices. Right. And just by putting money in the S&P 500, you're, you're breaking two of those rules. You're That's right. And, and I'm not, we're not anti-tech. We're anti-unbelievably un- high valuations. Of anything. Of anything. Doesn't matter if it's a financial, if it's tech or whatever. Unless we're selling. Then we're big fans. <laughs> we love it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, essentially what's happened um, over the last several years is that the, the you everything is... Well, so the AI boom, which it's it's uh, it's amazing. The technology is fascinating. What it's going to do, what how it's going to help companies and f- help companies become more efficient, more profitable. Hun- absolutely, it's gonna it's a game changer. But companies that are involved in the production of AI or components of it, be it chips or whatever, the interfaces. Those are now being priced essentially for perfection. Yeah, it's because crazy. you're you're making the assumption that they're going to be able to deliver on what the product is or service that they have is, and 
that's leveraged on the assumption that AI is going to be as profitable and let, be let, as game changing. Let, let me tell as it you. Is. Let me tell you what I experienced in oh 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 one and oh two. So nineteen ninety nine, uh, you had a lot of stocks moving up. It was called the dot com boom in the market. What was going on was anything that was considered a dot-com company was getting play. And you didn't have to have a really robust business plan. You just had to look like you had. You didn't have to have a business plan. You didn't have to show that you were, you were being measured by eyeballs as opposed to actual dollars. That's right. And what I remember thinking, and I said this to some people during that time was, You know, everybody's finally getting a website at this point. A lot of people hadn't had websites before that. Companies, big companies did not have websites. This is 25 years ago. What I said to myself was, self, the real beneficiaries of the dot-com revolution are going to be established companies who figure out a way to conduct way more business online. And that's exactly what happened. And a lot of purely dot-com companies that were trying to do this and do that went away. Some with multiple billion dollars of, of uh, valuation. And you'll never hear of them again because they're gone. They're purged from the face of the earth. Some of them, $15, 20000000000 billion um, market caps. market caps, huge gone. And strangely, it's exactly what has happened. So AI, the big beneficiaries of it will be established companies that do this or do that. They'll figure out how to use AI or not. And a lot of these pure AI companies, whatever that means, They'll go by the wayside. But right now, if something says it's AI, they buy it. Yeah, the other thing to point out here, too, the list of the top 10 by market cap from 2000, it was pretty diversified, but only two of the 10 companies are still really uh, valuable companies at this point. And what it shows, it just illustrates what, the point of reversion it? to the mean. It's it's in the article, Microsoft being one of those. And I'd also want to point out that Microsoft was hated for a while because it did nothing for a long time. And then That's it right. finally, once uh, Nardella took over, Nardelli. Or Nardella, Nardella. Who, what are some of those companies in there that, that didn't make it? I well, think. I mean, in saying they didn't make it is is not, not accurate. What I'm saying is uh, they they're not the... Um, they're not the top 10 from a market cap standpoint. They're still around. They're just not the big players. Well, there's a bunch Exxon that Mobile around. being one of them is still around, but it's oh, not a top I see. 10 They weren't tech cap. companies. Right. They, they a lot of them that were tech they companies are toast that you'll never hear from them again. Right. And, and they, they, were, they were becoming household names. I'll tell you a company, and I don't even know if they're still around, huge during that time. JDS Unifay. Just don't sell us is what Jim Cramer said. That's what he called it. And I, I don't know, I, I, I looked into that a year or two ago, and I can't remember that. I think they, they got bought by somebody, but they're not, uh, I don't think they exist as a separate company now. Um, 
And they're, they're just no, they're, a bunch yeah. of those. MicroStrategy, there is a MicroStrategy that's very different. They were a huge different. deal. Everybody thought they were just absolutely going. Another one, Lucent Technologies, spinoff from uh, AT&T. Right. You know, they made Bell these Labs. phones, Bell Labs, the old Bell Labs, all old technology. But you didn't think it. They dressed it up like, man, we're the latest thing. Lucent. Yep. I remember the stock was 60-something bucks a share. Here's another one. WorldCom. WorldCom. Remember MCI, WorldCom? Yep. And uh, they had, I think, George Bush was an investor in that uh, as well. It, I think he made he actually made money in it because he sold it before it crashed. I got but out that of was all of mine at eighty seven dollars a share. Now, it uh, there there are a bunch of those. We could do a show on that probably, uh, but why don't we? Well, that's <laughs> that we'll work that. That up. means Chad's got to spend a whole week uh, doing the research. That's but right. you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Well, oh, it's okay. But it'll be a yeah. it'll be a beautiful chart, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the other thing I <laughs> wanted to get in here though is this reversion to the mean. I mean, that's a a, a rule you can pretty much count on. Uh, these names that are going to go in, in investing anyway, and I mean over long periods of time. I mean these companies that I mean they may fall out of favor. They may go um, become. I mean I say they. Microsoft was out of favor for a while. It yeah. didn't make it a bad company, uh, but it got out of favor. But Cisco it was, it was, been out of favor, right? Um, Intel until this year, way out of favor. I guess it's been pulled up by the AI thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they, yeah, they've been spending like crazy on. They're going to try to compete with Taiwan Semi. Yeah, that's, AIG that's their and City. Oh, that yeah. yeah. Citibank's made a little bit of a rally. AIG, AIG isn't even around anymore. Are they? Uh, but if they get too far over their skis, they're going to come back down. That's what. That's what you can. Uh, the message you can take. Oh yeah, from they're still around. I was wrong. And the other thing to pay attention yeah. to is interest rates because as a forty-nine billion dollar market, yeah. when you have these really high PE multiples I'm, for I stocks, got that, wrong. that what you see is when interest rates go up, the PE multiple contracts and. But AIG is purely a life insurance company now. I think that's the big dif- difference. Yeah, uh, but you got to pay attention to interest rates when you're looking at these at these aggra- uh, this uh, fast growing stocks. I mean, if you've got a PE multiple of 65 and interest rates go up, uh, or they don't go down in some cases, like the people are forecasting, then you're going to you're going to see uh, the stock go down in value just based on that, just because analysts will make their forecast for what the future value of a company is based on interest rates in part. So uh, just some things to pay attention to. But the the whole takeaway here, though, is that the uh, valuations are are stretched in many cases, and you don't want to chase it. You want to pay a reasonable price for a, a good investment uh, that is that makes something real or that, that has a, a real business that is going to last beyond whatever the latest fad is. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to learn how we can make your money work for you, call us, 859-233-0400. You can also schedule an appointment with us directly on the homepage of our website at dupreefinancial.com. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour powered by Dupree Financial Group.